Hello, welcome to the Grace Life Podcast. The message you're about to hear, if diligently applied, will absolutely change your life. We're praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, thereby allowing the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. Now let's join the service already in progress with Pastor West. But uh, I don't want to, I don't like to minister without giving you references because uh, other than that, you can't just get somebody's opinion. But the time won't allow us to go to all of them, but I will give you the references to them. And I have most of them written out. And how many of you were in the last days? Last days. Let me make one quick announcement that I forgot to give you a while ago. Sunday or Wednesday, we will resume uh, regular services. This Wednesday, we will resume regular Wednesday services. Um, This Wednesday, we will resume regular Wednesday services. Praise the Lord. Faith comes by hearing. This Wednesday, we will resume regular Wednesday services. But but usually the first Wednesday of the month, we have our fellowship, and if we have birthdays, then we also have uh, a time to uh, celebrate with them, birthdays, so we'll do that. we got uh, several. I mean, uh, Brother Matt, I think he turns 50. Five this this week? Uh, no, I just can't. Just kidding. No, he's not quite that old. Praise the Lord. Uh, but we'll be in here for a few minutes, and then we'll then we'll dismiss uh, back into the fellowship area and have a good time. So come be a part of that. Amen. So um, we are in the last days. How you believe that? We're well, not in the first days. We're in the last days. And if you're a student of the Bible and a student of prophecy, then you know that we are. How many of the world's changed the way that you know it if you've been alive over 20 years? Hmm? And there's so, so many prophetical words that's come to pass, there's almost literally nothing that has to come to pass before Jesus comes back. Did you know that? Yes. Praise the Lord. And so um, we are, God's going to gather in a whole lot of people. Here, <clears throat> God's never lost it, so he doesn't know how to lose. But it does give us free will, gives free choice, so not everyone is chosen. Uh, but he, God's going to throw the net out, so to speak, and there's going to be a great gathering. The only way he's going to do this is through people. Praise the Lord. And so uh, <clears throat> we're going to have to not only know our job and know our assignment, but we're going to have to have the, the right uh, mindset and the right attitude to do it with. And so... Uh, when we see things, because sometimes people just say, well, the world's just changed, it's this, and I never saw it so bad, whatever, and all that. Well, you know, what you focus on is that's what you see. If you look into everything's wrong in your life today, then, then it's easy, it's really easy to focus on that, right? Like, oh, my elbow hurts, or my back hurts, or my knee hurts. And I always said, yeah, well, how's your, how's your, how's your eyebrow doing? And I said, well, do what? Well, see, you're just focusing on that one thing or those two areas. It could be in, uh, you know, a home situation or financial situation, whatever. But not everything's wrong in your life. We said a while ago we established the fact that everybody said they'd rather be here than the best hospital or the best prison in Alabama. So you you got some really good things going on, and we're blessed. We're blessed people, aren't we? Yeah. But here's uh, uh, if you're making notes, Isaiah ten twenty seven, and I'll start off reading. It's, uh, it says Isaiah ten twenty seven says it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken from your shoulder and his yoke from thy neck. And the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. 
the yoke shall be what? Destroyed. Sometimes people say broken. And there's nothing wrong with saying broken, but uh, destroyed is better. I have broken things at the house and glued them back together. Hmm? But God said, I'm going to, I'm going to destroy something. No one will put it back together. Huh? So when God destroys something that the enemy's plotted against you, there's no super glue, there's no crazy glue, there's no gorilla glue that anyone's going to go get, put this back together and come back at you. No weapon formed against you is to prosper. And then Isaiah 61, 1 through 3 says, He turned your mourning into dancing. Now, some of y'all aren't mourning people until you've had your three cups of coffee. So I don't know if that's before or after the coffee or your, or your, you know, if you're a tea person, you may have to have your sport of tea. I don't know. But anyway, you know, you're, he said, I'm going to turn your mourning into dancing. Amen. Hallelujah. So some of you got to start dancing a little bit. You know, Smith Wigglesworth was called the Apostle of Faith. And uh, everybody wanted to be in his meeting, but no one really liked him. Did you, know, well, did, did you know Israel didn't like their prophets until after they were dead? That's true. Israel did not like their prophets until they were dead. The general public did not want to be around Smith Wigglesworth. Uh, they wanted to be in his meeting because he had miracles. But his, his, his faith was so bold and audacious that it, it frightened them. Amen. Now, in today's society, you'd have to do things. He, he, uh, well, he raised, what, 13, 14, 15 people from the dead. Amen. We have reports of, of now, like David Hogan's ministry is over, you know, what the cartel is over there. And he's, David Hogan, he's had 100 of his ministers killed or shot down by the cartel. But his ministry, his, but, but his ministry together combined has raised up over 500 people from the dead. David himself been shot twice and his family had to raise him up. Amen. So people like that generally carry a little different mindset and attitude. Hmm? You know, if you get shot at it like every other day, and, and, and David Hogan said, you know, it's just, it's just who we are. And he says, you have to know when you're going to leave the house, you're going to go get a loaf of bread, some eggs. You better know you may not have to come back. Well, we don't think about that. If you're in Jimison, you know, we say we're going to go to Piggly Wiggly or go to the Pig. And we don't really think that, you know, someone's going to be shooting on us on the way there and the way back, right? Well, when you live in a country like that, that's hostile like that, and, and it's, uh, uh, it's, it's anti-God, anti-Christ, and you got in the cartel there, he says, we, we've had a hundred, really a hundred of our ministers who have been shot and killed. And so we are in this last few days where Revelation says the enemy knows his time is short. So he's pulling out all the stops. He's pulling out every stop. And uh, how many feel like he might have thrown, thrown a few things at you, including the kitchen sink? Right? And so he, know, he knows He's defeated because Jesus already defeated him on your behalf. And he knows that you're supposed to know it. And I think those in here should know that. But what he does is he tries to distract you mentally and physically. 
There are mental, mental distractions and there's physical distractions. So if he can't stop, he can't stop the plan of God on your life and he can't stop the blessing of God in your life. He will certainly try to delay it or deter it by changing your focus. Because what you look at long enough, you'll look like. What you listen to long enough, you'll believe. And what you believe, you'll eventually speak. And the Bible says, you'll, then you'll have what you say. So he's trying to regain your focus and your attention. And uh, <clears throat> so our attitude is, if, there's more, if we have mourning going on, he'll turn our mourning into dancing. And he'll turn our sorrow into joy. Amen. Now, are you a person of faith? Well, so Smith Wigworth every day got up when he got out of bed. He danced 10 minutes before at his bedside, 10 minutes before he started his day. Danced 10 minutes. So like I said, they all want to come to his meeting because he, he, he had amazing miracles. You know, the one guy I've, I've told you about many times that was, I mean, this guy had already been in, embalmed. And he went and got him out of the moor, put him over his shoulder, walked down two blocks to the meeting, put him in Smith, all documented. And they sat in the chairs up there, and his name was John. And he put John in the chair, and then Smith got up and took the service over, and he said, John wants to give a testimony. No, don't try this at home. <laughs> and, of course, John lived. Amen. Otherwise, it would have been a terrible, terrible testimony. In today's, today's world, uh, they would sue you. You wouldn't have a pair of socks left. Well, he had many type things like that. But he was so audacious in his faith that most people couldn't live like him, didn't want to live like him, so they didn't, they didn't really want to be around him as a person. When Lester Summerall went to see him, was invited to come see him uh, <clears throat> for the first time, he was so excited because Lester Summerall was in his 20s, 25, 26 uh, over in, uh, you know, in, in England and when he went to go see him. And here he is. Uh, Smith is in his 80s or uh, late 70s or 80s. And uh, Lester Summerall said, I thought I'd have to stand in line half a day to get to see this man. He said, there was, never, there was no one there. He said, and I went all the time. There was no one ever there. He said, but the first time I went and saw Smith Worth, he said, I, I came and I, I went and got my newspaper and I just had it under my arm. And he said, I walked to his house and Smith said, you know, just being in New Yorkshire, he, says, he said, what's up? He said, what's that under your arm? He said, this is no, he says, it's a newspaper. He said, get that damn little stuff out of my house. He said, I don't want to hear what the devil's doing. That's just his first time to meet him, invited to the house. Hmm. So they asked Smith, they said, How, do, do you pray? He said, yes. They said, do you pray long? He said, no, never pray long. They said, really? Because we, we would just think you have a long sessions of prayer. He said, I don't think I've ever prayed over 20 minutes. He said, but I don't think I've ever gone 20 minutes without praying. What's he saying? I'm, just, I, I, I'm in a consistent attitude and, and an awareness and presence of God all the time. Well, you know, we're not supposed to be him and you're not supposed to try to live his life. But here's a, but can you see the attitude of it? Can you see the belief of it? The Bible says, he that believeth hath. He that believeth hath. So you're going to turn your mourning into dancing, your sorrow into joy. And then verse three, that 
says, I'm going to take your old garments of heaviness and put on a garment of praise and you will be called the oaks of righteousness. Amen. The oaks of righteousness. Amen. Amen. And uh, Psalms 126 said, when the Lord turned their captivity, we were like them that dream. When the Lord turned, how many, how many of things turned? When the Lord turned their captivity, the captivity of Zion, and a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times, most times, Zion is symbolic. It's, it's speaking of the church. We were like them that what dream, and our mouth was filled with laughter, and our tongue was singing, and they said among the heathen, the Lord hath done great things for them, and the Lord hath done great things for us, where we are sad. Oh, we're glad. How many are you glad? Amen. Amen. You know, this glad is more like smiling. Happy, huh? I always said if you can't smile, you're not a smiler, then you ought to just go home and sleep with a clothes hanger in your mouth all night. And it'll fix you for a couple of weeks. It'll set you up. Now, the God's Word translation, GW, the GWT translation, said when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, it was as if, it were, it was as if they were dreaming. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with joyful songs. Then the nation said, the Lord hath done spectacular things for them. Yes, the Lord hath done spectacular things for us. We are overjoyed. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, as you restore streams to the riverbeds. Those who cry while they plant with joyful, will joyfully sing while they harvest. Amen. God wants you to harvest, even out of a time of sorrow out of a type of, uh, of uh, uh, heaviness. He go, he's, he'll give you a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Hallelujah. But you've got to change clothes. You've got to change clothes, right? And then the last verse says, the person who goes on weeping, carrying his bag of seed, will come home singing, carrying his bundles of grain. Matthew 8, uh, and, and this is the translation uh, the message translation, and I have it here real quickly, and I'll just read a part of it. This is where Jesus came in contact with some demons, which he did that more than once. And uh, I, I love how the message translation puts it. And, of course, you know, the message, it doesn't have, uh, it gives you a chapter, but not the verses, but somewhere around 28, 29, somewhere in there. And it's, and, uh, it's subtitled, The Mad, the Mad Man and the Pigs. Remember, remember the story about that? And it said they landed, uh, they landed in the country of the Gadarenes and were met by two madmen, victims of demons, coming out of the cemetery. The men were terrorized, the reason for so long that no one considered it safe to walk down the stretchy road anymore. Seeing Jesus, the madmen screamed out, or those who were possessed with demons screamed out. And they said, what business do you have giving us a hard time? Now, this is the demons in the man, right? And they said, you're the son of God. You aren't supposed to show up here yet. In other words, they knew he was coming one day, but they didn't know he was coming this quick. They said, you weren't supposed to show up yet. Off in the distance, a herd of pigs were browsing and rooting, and the evil spirits begged Jesus, if you kick us out of these men, let us live in the pigs. In other words, it looks like you're going to kick us out. Hmm. You don't seem to fight here, do you? No. He says, so you shouldn't be here. You've come before your time. 
If you're going to expel us, if you're going to kick us out, can we at least go live in the pigs? Jesus said, go ahead, get out of here. Crazed, the pigs stampled over the cliff of the sea and drowned. Scared to death, the swine herds bolted. They, they told everyone back in town what had happened to the madman, the pigs. Those who heard about it were angry about the drowned pigs. Now, uh, I don't know what, maybe I missed something here, but uh, the, the, they had a stretch of this, of this uh, area, this town, that, that no one was, could walk in because it was not secure because of these madmen, right? That was, yeah, you know, right. I mean, they're, they're full of the devil, right? And now they're mad because the pigs are drowned. Hmm. And so, uh, I mean, the, you know, the, the, the devil prefers to have a human to live. But if not, he'll, he'll take an animal. Uh, this is just my theory, so don't do anything with it. You know, if the devil could go into a pig, he could go into a dog. How many of you have seen about a two-pound dog try to attack a car? I think it's the devil. I mean, what, what's a two, three-pound dog going to do with a, a 4,000-pound car? <laughs> well, it didn't, kill the, it didn't kill the demons, did it? You know, the, the, uh, you know, the joke was the pigs just went off the cliff and they committed suicide. Su- you know, pigs, su- hallelujah, anyway. And uh, so the mob formed and demanded that Jesus get out and not come back. Wow. So my, my, my theory to that is this. So they wanted to know, we didn't think it was your time to show up. Well, how many know it's time? I said, how many know it's time? So we ought to, So our message to him is, hey, say, your time's up. Your, your time's up. Times are up. And demons are crying out, and you aren't even supposed to show up yet. Hallelujah. In Proverbs 13.22, and I'm just going to give you a number of scriptures here. Proverbs 13.22 says, The wealth of the sinner is laid up for the righteous or for the just. The wealth of the sinner. I mean, y'all believe the Bible? The wealth of the sinner is laid up for the righteous. The Amplified says the wealth of the sinner finds its way eventually into the hands of the righteous for whom it was laid up for. So it sounds to me like wealth is looking for you. Not the right place? The wealth of the sinner finds its way eventually into the hands of the righteous for whom it was laid up for. Ooh, that's me. How about you? How about you? Well, so we know that in, we, we know in, uh, we won't go there, but if you want to look at it later, Mark one twenty seven in the message, same thing. Jesus sends the devils packing again. And uh, <clears throat> so here he is. He's dealing with the spirits. Well, we are to deal with the same spirits. See, there's no fight in heaven. People say, man, when I get to heaven, boy, I'm going to show the devil. Well, no, you, you really won't because he won't be there. There won't be any demons there. So now the, the conflict is, is here. See, the spiritual warfare, warfare is here. You, you realize that? People say, well, I don't know about spiritual warfare. Well, well let's just put it in simple terms. If, if you're a citizen of the United States, and I guess all of us are, right? And we're at war with Afghanistan or Iraq or wherever we've been, you know, through the years, if, if, then our country is at war with another country, right, as a citizen. So as a citizen, you can say we, 
we as Americans are at war with so-and-so. Well, how many of those are war for the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light? Well, that's called spiritual warfare. So we're, we're not to be afraid of that, but we're supposed to be oblivi- not, not oblivious to it, but we're supposed to be, the Bible says, don't be ignorant of the devil's devices. Hmm? In other words, you need to understand how he works. Right, you, you need to understand his weapons. You, you, you need to un, 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 understand the, the strategy that he uses against uh, God's people. And so we, and then you need to know who you are in him, in Christ. You need to know who you are in Christ. You say, well, my name is Linda. Well, your, your name might be Linda or, you know, or, or, or Sam or whatever it is, but I'm, I'm asking you who you are in Christ. Jesus renamed people sometimes. You know, Jesus named Simon Peter. Right? In other words, rock. God changed uh, Abram's name to Abraham. Why? Because God wanted, Abraham means the father of many nations. To a man who was childless. God renamed Sarah, uh, Sarah or to Sarah, which means the mother of princesses. Why? Because in the name change, in just the name, it, it leads to the destiny of the person that he, he ascribes the name to. Amen. So every time Abraham and Sarah just called each other by their new names, their faith was coming for them to say, huh, we're going to have this child. She was calling him Abraham, father of many nations. He was calling her his wife, Sarah, the mother of princesses. And what did we have? We had, we had bouncing baby Isaac. We had a baby out of that. So a lot of times when God's going to change something in your life, he'll change your name. He'll have you change something about you know, what to say about it. Because death and life is in the power of your tongue, not my tongue. You say, well, I go to church that believes that, but that won't work for you. I can't do your speaking. Hmm? I can't do your speaking. I can't do your receiving. I can teach you, but I can't, I can't do your speaking. So <clears throat> we should tell demons of sickness and disease and of lack and demons of harass uh, to pack up and move out. Amen. Pack up and move out. James 4, 7, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Hallelujah. Submit yourself to God or to the word, then resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now notice you have to put all that in there. You can't just resist the devil and you're not submitted to the word. And you're not submitted to God. The devil will not obey someone who's not submitted to God nor to his word. But when you know who you are, what you are, what you have, what belongs to you, what your authority is in his name, and you're submitted to him, then you can absolutely resist the enemy on any front and he will flee from you. The message of that translation says is to let God's work, his will in you. Yell a loud no to the devil and you'll watch him scamper. Say a quiet yes to God and he'll be there in no time. Isn't that good? So that means Satan's not getting his way. But there has to be a little bit of an attitude of being fed up. I like to call it this, just being sick and tired of being sick and tired. So have you been fed up yet? Are you tired of survival? 
surviving instead of thriving. God didn't want you to survive, to be in survival mode. He wants you to thrive, right? Sickness and pain instead of health and healing. You know, 3 John 2 said, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul has prospered. I wish above how many things? All things. That you prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. So he wants us, instead of sadness, to have what? To have gladness. Amen. You evangelize a lot more people, you'll get a lot more people saved, happy than you will sad. You know, you can't invite people to church sad. You want to come to my church? (laughs) You could be just like me. No, I don't want to go to your church. Praise the Lord, because I'm afraid I'd meet more people just like you. And I've got enough problems of my own without without meeting a bunch of y'all. Huh? Sadness instead of gladness. Well, confusion instead of peace. God wants you as the God of peace. He's the Prince of Peace. Poverty instead of prosperity. Amen. Amen. God walks on streets of gold. Hmm? When you enter into heaven one day, it's just going to be one pearl gate. That was just out of one pearl. Wow. Amazing. Hallelujah. Heaven's doing fine no matter what the economy's doing. No one's been laid off. No one's drawing their unemployment check. No one's on food stamps. Huh? Hallelujah. No one is trying to climb the gate to get out of heaven. No one is looking for an escape. Amen. My mother left two or three times and saw things two or three times before she left. The last time she came back, she's mad because she came back. She's like, "Mm." she says, I've done this three times. And I said, well, if you just get some of these kids straight, you can go ahead and go. (laughs) I don't know which ones they were, hallelujah. But anyway, no, I'm just kidding about that. But anyway, yeah, so she she just saw enough just barely seeing over into that realm that just, you know. And uh, I forget that last time she said I was I was by the I was by the river over here and uh or by a lake and she said um, she said, Eric, I saw your I saw your dad and she said he was so good looking and so young and she said he had that black shiny hair when I met him and she said he was so skinny and uh she said, I mean, he looked good. And, he, and she said, he, was, he had uh, some children with him. And I guess, what, there was two or three, you know, yeah, that uh, miscarriages. And so uh, that, that might be some brothers and sisters I might meet one day. Praise the Lord. I thought, I thought we had plenty. But anyway, there's, but anyway, he was telling her like this. Uh, she said, I said, well, did you get to talk to him? She said, no, I couldn't get to him. She said, I was on this side. It was, um, you know, much wider than a creek, but not like a lake. And it was kind of like you had to shout loud. And he kept on saying, he says, come on, Doris, come on. Come on. Kept on waving to her. He said, there's so much to do. There's so much to see. Come on, come on, come on. She said, he was so happy. And I says, well, I'm glad you're back. She said, well, I'm not. (laughs) She says, I want to get over there. Praise the Lord. So no one is trying to get out of heaven. But the Bible said we can have days of heaven on the earth. How about some of that? You already experienced some heaven on earth? 
So uh, God's been raising up this army. And this army is militant. Did you know that? They're strong and they're not weak. This army is strong and they're not weak. This army is aggressive. They're not passive. They're focused and not unfocused. And this army is going to take back everything the enemy stole. Come on, tell me it's time to do that. So it's time for the supernatural of increase and restoration. God uh, wants his people restored. Hmm? He wants it restored. He wants it, he wants it all to be restored. And the devil's been stealing from God's people for too long. And many let him uh, steal and they have no resistance whatsoever. Just let him take this stuff. Now, for sake of time, we won't go there, but Proverbs 6.31 says, If a thief is found, he shall restore sevenfold of the substance of that house. If the thief is found, he must restore back to you seven times what he's taken from you. Now, um, you, you can go back if you want to a few years and make your list. Who was it wrote the song? Was it, uh, I'm taking it back. David Ingalls, yeah, I'm taking it back. I'm taking it all back. And it was based on that scripture out there. How many feel like you've had a few things stolen from you in the last few months or years? I guess I'm the only one. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I guess. No, but seriously, how many feel like you've had some things stolen from you? The enemy's tried to come in and plunder and take from you and your family and, and uh, you know, take your, your, your joy and just, uh, I mean, just, you, you just name it, it's out there everywhere. And part of it's just because we're living in a fallen world. And look, here's the great thing about heaven. It's wonderful and everything's going to be just. But we're going to live, right now we're living right here. So we need to live in the authority that we have in Jesus' name. See what I'm saying? That's why when you get to heaven, they're going to want, you know, people know coming is going to want to talk to you because they didn't have Jesus' name. They didn't have his authority. And, and God defended them. But now Jesus said, all authority has been given to me before he sent it. He says, so now I give you my authority in his name. Now, it's not really our authority. It's, it's really his authority. In a sense of, in one sense, you don't have authority. But in the greater sense, you have the authority because you're, you have the authority of the use of his name. See, if it was your authority, then why wouldn't you just pray in your name? Hmm? No, you would say in Jesus' name. If it was just your authority, you would say in my name, get out. No, it's, it's his name. And so we have authority there. And so they're going, they're, they're, they're going to want to know how did you live successfully in a fallen world uh, against demonic spirits? Amen. By the millions. Hallelujah. Well, it's, it's because... It's because we knew who we were. It's because that in him we live, the Bible says, and move and we have our being. It's because that we remain focused on that. Amen. And so part of, part of going into the end time harvest before some of that happens, there has to be a restoration process. Restoration. Um, the word restore simply means to bring back to a former or original condition. That's just out of the Webster. You know, you might maybe have some furniture restored or an automobile restored. Well, you, you, you brought it back to its original condition. 
And, uh, but if you uh, believe God and get serious and then you'll receive back, Satan's, uh, you, you find, I think if we can see it, Satan's got warehouses full of our stuff. Hmm? And it's time to empty them out. So restore means, but in God's definition is this, not just to, to bring it back to condition, but if you do a word search on restore by God's terminology, it means to make better, to improve, to increase, and to multiply. So it's coming back, but it's coming back better. And it's coming back improved. Increased. And multiplied. Now, if you ever thought about this, the Lord does add, but he, most time he says multiply. And uh, you understand your multiplication tables? How many learned them in the second, third grade? They might even do it in the first grade now. So the least number that, that you can use to multiply is what? Two. Because 100 times one is what? 100. A million times one is still the same thing. But, uh, uh, you know, 10,000 times two is 20. So if, if God just does two, and the Lord likes to do everything by threes in the Trinity, amen. Matter of fact, in Deuteronomy chapter one, God said, I will bless you a thousand times more than what you have. Amen. So I so said, well, you're, you're talking about money a lot today. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about, I'm, I'm talking about the attitude of it. See, that science is harvest. Find a need and meet it. Find a hurt and heal it. Find a problem and solve it. Well, you won't have to go too far in life to find some of that stuff. Hmm? Well, it feels good to be able to stop a car from being repossessed. Or for a home. Or for a family who doesn't have the financial means or, to, you know, to to do what they need to do with their children. And, and just with the stroke of one check, then, then you can stop all that bad things from happening to that family in, the, in his name and in his glory. Not, not for them to know you. If you could do it without, I mean, if, they, if I could do it many times without them knowing I've done it, I'd, I'd prefer to do it that way. But just good intentions won't do it. Right? I'm glad that we're, we care, but, but you, you need some resources to do it with. And that's part of what we shouldn't have to be preaching is we shouldn't have to be preaching that there's anything wrong with having money. God's not against you having money, but he is against you being covetous. Hmm? Because if God was against you having prosperity, then he really messed us up because the father of your faith was, was Abraham. And he blessed him so much and lot so much that they had to separate from one another because they had too much. He was a very wealthy man. And then he said in Galatians 3, the blessing of Abraham shall come on you now. So you have Abraham's blessing, which is not poverty. Now, he does this because he loves us and he wants the best for us and desires to bring us into restoration and wholeness and provide us with a perfect redemption. Amen. He laid down his life for it all to happen. So there needs to be also a healing restoration, whatever it is that you need. But you have to be fed up with it. And the truth is... The truth is that you can't catch, you know, you can't catch uh, healing or, or your prosperity the way that you catch sickness. 
If you want to catch sickness, just find somebody who's sick. Say, would you cough on me, please? Hmm? Just go find somebody who has the flu and give them a big hug and kiss. You, you can get flu that way, right? But, but the other thing where, where it comes to in the sense of healing or increase, you have to have the spirit of that in, in your heart. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. The word's the spirit in life. So there has to be a, a heart change, a belief change, right? Because out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will do what? It'll speak. So <clears throat> you, uh, you have to get around sick people, you know, to, to catch their germs. But if you want health and healing and increase and, and benefits their redemption, then you have to choose life. Deuteronomy chapter 30. He said, choose life or choose death. It's your choice. Amen. So to finish up this morning, in Joel chapter 2, it says this in verse 24 in the Amplified. It says, And the threshing floor shall be full of grain, and the vats shall overflow, and the juice of the grape and oil. And I will restore or replace for you the years the locust has eaten. So God says, I'm going to go back years and restore to you. Going back years. Some of us will be in good shape if we just go back a month. Amen. You know, they say if you're always so old, old joke was if you play a, well, no one has records anymore. Well, I still got some under my bed, but anyway, I'm just saying that uh, if, you, if you play the, I said if you played it backwards, you know, a country song, you know, you could get your truck back and your house back, your dog back and your wife back and all, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. You just played it backwards, you know, if you like country music. A lot of those songs about, oh, woe is me and all that kind of stuff. Well, he said, I'm going to restore to you the years. Where the enemy is stolen from your life. Where the locust is eaten. The hopping locust, the stripping locust, and the crawling locust. And you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. I'm glad you're so happy about that. And you shall praise the name of the Lord your God who has dwelt wondrously with you. Lord God. Lord, Lord wants to deal with you today. How does he want to deal with you? Wonderfully. Hallelujah. Wonderfully. So you ought to declare it. You ought to get happy about it. You ought to shout about it. Jeremiah 30, 17 in the ESV says, I will restore health to you and your wounds. I will heal, declares the Lord. And uh, and last of the last verse, and then we'll pick up at another time. And Acts chapter 3 in verses 20 and 21, gives us a prophetical timeline of Jesus' return and tells us that before Jesus comes back for his church, that his church will experience times of refreshing. Before his return, Acts chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, tells us before his return, this church will experience times of, re of restoration of all things. Isn't that a great hope for us? Amen. So we're, we're near the end of times. And, uh, and so it's time to take it back. And them, them demons asked Jesus, said, did you come before your time? He said, man, your time's up. Your time's up. You ought to go home today and say, say, your time's up. 
Your time's up in this house. Your time's up in my finances. Your time's up with my children. Your time's up in my marriage. Your time's up with everything that God's put my hand to. Your time's up when it comes to my destiny. It's up. It's over. Get out. Now, I don't know. They even may talk back to you. And if there's any pigs and neighbors, you know, you might say, well, can I go into your neighbor's dog? I say, yes, but you got to keep going that way. <laughs> Hallelujah. We live in the country. We see a lot of dogs. I don't know if they all have homes or not. So I don't, you know, I don't want no demons around a bunch of dogs. Hallelujah. Of course, you ever want to do this? What are y'all seeing? Oh, yeah, time's up. Time's up. But you know who determines that? You do. He said, well, I'm just waiting on the Lord. No, no, you're not. You are not waiting on the Lord. You're not waiting on the Lord. See, anything that Jesus did for you in his death, burial. Now, listen, because I know we're at the end. You, you, you may have already shut me off. So try to one more time tune in. Anything that Jesus has already done for you in his death, burial, and resurrection is a finished work. So if it's a finished work, you know, where it concerns your, your healing, your, 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 the financial realm, anything that Jesus did that he bore the curse for, by his stripes, you were healed. He already did this, right? So anything concerning that he already did and paid in full for is yours now, but it has to be received, believed, spoken, and received by faith, and that's called the fight of faith. That's called the fight of faith. But it's called the good fight of faith. Why? Because you win. So you just have to stand your ground. I said, you just got to stand your ground. And then you begin to put your words in line with this word. Put everything in the, in the now tense. You say, yeah, but I hurt so bad. No, don't. No, that's, that's not calling for things that be not. That's, that's just telling it what is. Right? Call for things that be not as though they were. Hmm? You do it all the time. Charles Capps said, people, you know, he said people do it all the time. They say, well, I don't believe in calling things that ain't. I just believe in calling it like it is. He said, no, you don't. You're lying. He told his neighbor that. He said, Charles Capps had a neighbor who didn't believe anything he taught, of course. And he said, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do all that stuff you teach. You to telling people to call for things they don't have. He said, that's just lying. And God don't want you to lie. He said, well, then you do it all the time. And as Charles Capps' neighbor said, what were you talking about? He said, well, I've heard you many times go on the back porch and call the dog to feed the dog, and the dog wasn't there. He said, what was you doing that for? He said, well, I was calling the dog to eat. He said, where was that? He said, I don't know. That's why I was calling for him. He said, oh, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Call for things that you can't see. Romans 4, 17. said, so call for things that you can't see right now. You can't feel in your body. It doesn't look like it's working right now. Call for the things Puts your words in agreement with God's word, which makes you smart, right? Call for what you can't see to manifest. So he said, what happened when you called the dog? He said, well, he showed up. But Charles Kepp said that had another neighbor that was worse than that. They just believed whatever was supposed to be was going to happen that way anyway because it was just supposed to be. <laughs> so he said the, the one guy called the dog and the cat came. And he had dog food. He said, well, it must not be the will of God for me to feed the dog. It must be the will of God for me to feed the cat. Oh, dear Lord. Just, just give me a spiritual break, would you? Hallelujah. So lay hold to it right now in Jesus' name. So I'm taking it back. It belongs to me. 
I'm putting on the garment of praise. Spirit of heaviness, changing garments. I'm anointed with joy. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a big week. Hope to see you Wednesday. And uh, we'll spend a few minutes in here, and then we'll go, uh, we'll get Matt and some others a little bit older. Hallelujah. With some cake. (laughs) God bless you.